Welcome everyone to Business Growth on Purpose. My name is Jose Palomino. I'm CEO of Value Prop Interactive. And it is my great pleasure every week to be interviewing experts from around the world, owners of other B2B businesses, and sometimes just sharing some of my personal insights from decades of helping businesses grow on purpose. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody. Jose Palomino, founder of Value Prop and host of Business Growth on Purpose. And today's guest is somebody I'm very excited to have on our show again. His name is Justin Quinn. He is the CEO of Focused on Machining. And he has figured out a lot of practical, powerful things to do to grow a business in a commodity category. And he's in contract machining, which is a very commoditized category. And he has figured out ways to stand out from the crowd and to grow his business. So we're gonna get some real practical insights on positioning and on marketing and on sales from this conversation with Justin Quinn, which begins right now. Well, welcome Justin Quinn to Business Growth on Purpose. Thank you, great to be here. Well, Justin, just uh, you're a returning guest, but I do wanna give context to our audience. So just briefly, what do you do and who do you do it for? Yeah, so we're uh, we're a machine shop uh, south side of, of the Denver metro area, um, and we make precision machine parts uh, for the space industry primarily, uh, other aerospace companies, um, and, and a little bit of medical as well. Okay, all right. So precision machine parts. Correct. All right. So a contract manufacturer. So somebody needs parts made in quantity. You win the award. Now you're making a thousand sprockets for them, or whatever it is. Absolutely. Yeah, we uh, we really specialize on that prototype to production model. So we we do a lot of prototypes. Um, and then on the backside, yes, those those orders do turn into production orders for us. OK, so you you really want to get on the front end of they're trying to figure out how to make the sprocket uh, Correct. scale and so on. Right. Correct. Yes. That's what we're honestly really good at is the low volume, the 5, 10, 20 piece orders okay. where we're helping them prove out designs prove out uh, concepts. And then once those things are happening, we might go through that iteration three, four times with the customer. Um, and then they usually move into production. And that's when we get to be a part of the, the production. Work. Okay. And is most of the, the, the stuff you work with, and this may seem obvious, but it's it's metal based as opposed to, let's say, composites or plastics, or is it all of the above? Yeah, it's, uh, it's probably 95% metal, uh, 5% plastics. Okay. And a varying array of plastics, you know, from Delray Acetyl to the Ultims, Peaks, uh, but most of our business is metal. Okay. And I'm just curious, as far as additive manufacturing, which of course, 10 years ago was going to take over all manufacturing on the planet Earth in about two years. <laughs> it didn't yeah. quite happen that way, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, but to what, the, I'm just curious, to what degree is that part of your world? Is that even relevant at this point? Sure. Or? So um, it's, it's relevant in a couple of ways. Uh, one, we do have a small uh, plastic 3D printer here at the shop. Um, we don't use it a ton. Uh, when we first got it, we used it a lot. But what we do use it for is printing mock-ups of parts just to kind of see them. Or we use it a lot to print like a unique CMM fixturing in our quality room to hold a weird part and help us inspect it. Okay. So that's, that's one way we do it. Um, we also have a large... 3D print uh, manufacturer here in town. Um, and so we support them by machining products for them 
as well as doing some post-machining on their 3D printed products. Okay, so the Star Trek replicator, not yet a thing yet. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> okay. I mean, eventually everything will be everything, you know, who knows, right? Sure. AI takes over the world and yeah, know, right. we'll be human batteries, so hopefully not. But anyway, all right, so no, that's good, Justice. So one of the things that, that I, I, I uh, particularly, I, I think, impressed by your company and the story you told the last time you were on our show and, and kind of in our pre-talk, is still true, is your focus, right? So I yes. just want to recap that a little bit because that wasn't always the case. When you took over the business, it was a little broader and you kind of narrowed it down. Could you just tell us a little bit that journey? Because I think that's such an important story for anyone listening who's in a competitive commodity category and doesn't want to miss out on any opportunities. Yeah. You went the other way instead of trying to be broader and wider and we got to grab it all. You kind of brought it into focus. Tell us how that journey went a little bit. Yeah. So when I first took the shop over, you know, we were a jack of all trades. We tried to be everything to everybody. Um, and, and what we found out is that it was a, a brutal pace and a, and a brutal, you know, we, we always had to look at new parts differently because some customers wanted us to make weldments and, and do, you know, these kind of assemblies, um, which we, we do minor assembly today, but it's much more focused in the industry that, that we want. Um, and we found that because we were trying to be everything to everybody, we were competing with everybody, uh, which meant extreme pricing pressures. You know, we were often negotiating over dollars and cents, uh, well below the price where we wanted to be. Um, I started thinking about how can we get out of that and get to a place where we're not competing on price, right? Where we're competing on other things, schedule, quality, uh, for instance, are the two primary things that we compete on now. Um, and, and when you start dealing with, in our instance, space parts that are on a tight deadline and have challenging features and tolerances, pricing kind of goes out the window because we've eliminated most of our competition, right? There's, there's a lot fewer shops that can achieve those things. Um, there's a lot fewer shops that have the AS9100 certification like we do. You know, there's a lot fewer shops that can turn parts in two to three weeks. Um, and so by doing that, we've eliminated a lot of our competition. I'm not saying all of our competition has gone away, but it's now down to a couple of shops, not a couple hundred shops kind of thing. And, and usually the shop that wins the order in this instance is the one that can get it done on the customer schedule, you know, whether that's two, three, four weeks, or shops will self-eliminate due to tolerance and features. Um, and so that's that's what we really try to compete on today is schedule and, and tolerance and feature based. And that really takes price off the table um, and puts us in a position to say, hey, Mr. Customer, we can make this part, we can achieve your three-week turn time, but here's the price, take it or leave it kind of thing. Uh, and we, we put the ball back in their court kind of thing. Right. And and it really validates or tests whether or not that three-week uh, turnaround requirement is a real requirement. Sure. Because, like, oh, well, we can actually, we just always ask for three-week turnaround time. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But we know and, and it's going to take three months. Right. Yeah. And what we do in our quoting process is we actually give them multiple lead time options. Okay. So if they, if they want three weeks, we might give them a, a five-week price, a four-week price, and a three-week price. Or, you know, we'll give them three, four price options with differing 
schedule um, timelines. And obviously the quicker, the more expensive. Um, And and yeah, we just give them the option, right? Do you really need three weeks? Because if, if you do, your pricing is more expensive than if you can give me four or five weeks, et cetera. Um, And the reason being for that is, you know, going faster has costs, right? We've got a, we've got an overnight material in, if there's plating, we've got to, we've got to expedite the plating to a 24 hour turn, which costs more. Um, you know, if we have to work overtime to get the part done, that costs more. So to, to do things in a much shorter time frame, it just, it just costs more money, uh, enable in order to enable those lead times. So that's why right. we give multiple options. Or, or even like something as simple as you have to order, uh, and pay rush charges on materials for a particular. Absolutely. Time. Right. All yeah. those things are, are real things. I mean, it just yeah. happened. Time, time is money, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. Shipping is very expensive. And if you right. want to, you, you need something and you've got to overnight it, you're talking about hundreds of dollars to get that part here tomorrow. Right. Right. But I love the way, you know, it's interesting that the, the framing of it is not so much that it's a rush charge. These are your delivery options. Yes. And I and I don't know if maybe you do use the language rush charge, but it, to me, it sounds like these are just the options. It's the three week price, the five week price and the two month price. They're just it's your choice. Yeah, what, yeah. what you need. Right now. What, one other thing is I, I know a lot of the parts you you produce. Once you get past the prototyping stage, you actually uh, it may be small production runs. These are very valuable parts. I'm assuming higher, yeah. higher yeah. costs and so on. So. Are a lot of your competition, I'm just curious about this, your competition in in machine shops and so on, are they always looking for trying to get that 500 part order? Is that what they're chasing after? And you're kind of below the radar saying, no, we're perfectly happy with the 20 part order. Totally. Yeah. I I think a lot of machine shops do go after the higher volume work, right? And it's for good reason, right? I mean, you you can set a machine up and, and once you get it dialed in, that machine, if it's a good quality machine, will repeat time and time again. And so, yeah, if you've got a 500, 5,000 piece order, you won't have to really touch that machine other than loading parts in and out for a week or two weeks. We're here, we change over our machines three times a day sometimes. Um, So we're really focused on the setup of the machines. Um, Anything we can do to invest in setup time reduction to get machines changed over from part to part, that's where that's where we spend our investment dollars uh, and making making improvements in that area. And yeah, a production run for us is fifty to one hundred and fifty pieces. You know, that's production volume to us because right. normally we're doing prototypes of one to five to ten pieces. So our our production volumes are yeah fifty to one hundred and fifty pieces. Interesting. Well, you know, it just reminds me totally different industry, but it's still manufacturing a publishing. Yeah. Um, the big now it's hard to compete if you're a small press with these print on demands that can knock out one book for the same cost as knocking out a hundred because yeah. they have perfected that switching. Correct. They've automated that they've done whatever. Now you're not exactly like printing a book, but the, the principle is the same. And what I love about what you said, Justin, is that you have focused on, and it's counterintuitive a little bit. You have focused on the switching job skill like that ability to switch jobs quickly where somebody else maybe hasn't concentrated on that. It's always like, Oh, I got to do that. You know, we can't do yeah. that. And you're doing three times a day. And you're saying like, we do that like brushing teeth. I mean, it's just what we do. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's that, you know, in, in, in machining and manufacturing, every time you start something, there's an iterative process, mm-hmm. right? You, you, 
even though our, our machines repeat beautifully and hold tolerances, it doesn't mean that you can put a piece in there for the first time and cut that part perfectly. Even if you've made it before, there's always minor adjustments, minor tweaks you've got to make to get that really dialed in. But once you get there, then it will repeat. And so that's what we really focus on. How do we get the tools changed over quickly, new vice, new work holding in the machine quickly, and then start the iterative process and try to make that those iterations as few as possible. That way we're moving into production as soon as possible. Well, well, you know, I, I was, um, I was recently at, at the hospital. I had to get something uh, implanted, just a monitor. It, it, not as gruesome as it sounds, but it's a little thing. What was interesting though, is the nurse, as they set up for the doctor, and this is like a 15 minute procedure. Yeah. The nurse literally held up the item and said, okay, this is a, whatever it is, you know, blue scalpel 9723. The doctor said, check. And he read, they went through the checklist, which by the way, as the patient, I felt very good about yes. <laughs> that. They, yes. they had that thing dialed in, but that isn't always the case, even in medicine, where people just aren't doing that. So, you know, it's interesting that, so you guys have, have zeroed in on that. So, so here's, here's the statement. And I want to explore this a little bit with you, Justin. So with this specialized capability, with the pricing model, it seems to be very, uh, you know, uh, very uh, flexible and useful for your audience. With your with your positioning statement on your website that look, if you need mach precision machine parts in two to four weeks to meet your prototype and production needs, all of that, then is it just a matter of sitting back and waiting for the world to come to you because you're that wonderful, or do you, <laughs> <laughs> or do you do something about it? Yeah, I, I wish it were that easy, right? Um, uh, I wish we could just sit back and, and do do nothing sometimes. But no, uh, we 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 are constantly doing sales and marketing activities. Uh, we we honestly never stop. Um, like I, we had a really strong first quarter, one of our best quarters on record, uh, and we did sales and marketing activities all quarter long. Uh, we we really don't stop sailing ever, um, and the reason being is because. As anybody in manufacturing knows, the work ebbs and flows, right? Um, people get busy, people get slow, things come, things go. And, and the more sales and marketing activities you can do, the, the lower the peaks and valleys will be, right? There's still going to be peaks and valleys, but the, the lower, the flatter that will be versus the big peaks and the big valleys where you go from a ton of work to, to next to nothing. Um, so yeah, we, we constantly are doing sales and marketing. And I you know, you hear the term sales and marketing, right? For me, those two terms are very different. Marketing is our long-term strategy, right? That's that's the thing that we review on an annual basis and we talk about, okay, what's our long-term strategy? What industries do we want to be in? What customer types do we want to go after? And what level of business do we want to have? And then we build uh, plans around achieving those. Um, and we, most of our marketing activities are done through our website. Uh, we do a monthly blog topic. So any, any, uh, anybody can go out to our, our website and see all of our past, past blogs. They can also sign up for our blogs to receive them by email every time we post them. But uh, those blog topics are part of our long-term strategy, talking about, you know, couple of years ago, we wanted to target the aerospace space industry. So we started talking about what's important to that industry, right? The, the uh, super alloys, as we call them, the Inconales, Monales, Titanium, this industry uses that stuff a lot. So we started posting content about that material, how to machine it, how we machine it, why we like it, supply chain challenges, 
Uh, we talked about AS9100. Uh, that's the aerospace uh, industry certification. Uh, we explained what it's all about, why it's important, and how we how we got it, how we manage it. Uh, we talk about plating and masking. Uh, the, the aerospace industry has some very stringent plating and masking requirements, very complex. So we did a blog topic on how we achieved success with that, how we communicate with our vendors to achieve success. Um, so we, we just kind of identify markets and industries, areas we want to go into. And then we, we try to think about it from an engineer or buyer perspective, right? What are the challenges that they're trying to solve? What are the issues that they're hearing from machine shops? And how do we create content that not necessarily solves those problems, but gives them an avenue to find us to help, to partner with us to help solve those problems with them? That's really what it's about for us. And then for me, the sales activity, that's the short-term stuff. That's the, that's the reaching out to my customers on specific RFQs and, and, and saying, hey, we'd like, to, we'd like to do all this package. You know, where, 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 do, you need, where do we need to be to, be, to, to win it? Um, or letting existing customers know, I've got capacity in this area in the next month. Do you have anything that might fit here? Um, so it's, for me, the sales activity is the short-term reaching out specifically trying to fill gaps and the marketing is the long-term strategy where we're constantly dripping content to the website, to customers, uh, just letting them know who we are, what we do and how we do it. Well, and what I love about the, the, your content strategy is it's very, it sounds like it's very educational. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, it doesn't talk down to your audience. It's probably something that they would find, you know, your, your, your best likely audience is probably going to find that interesting. Because they're yes. in that space, right? They go, oh, that's interesting. That's that's good. I learned something from that. And, you know, it's a little bit counterintuitive uh, in that a lot of times, um, especially I find this with smaller companies, there's a fear of if I tell people how we do what we do, uh, they're going to steal our ideas. And I'm thinking like, dude, your competitors already do what you do yeah. more or less, right? So they don't need, you're not going to give them the secret sauce that they're going to beat you with. Yeah. But you're going to inform your customers, your potential customers, that you are in the know, that you really are master of this universe, right? Sure. So, so I'm just curious, from all that content, that's a lot of activity. I mean, you, you're committing to do a lot of work. Um, can you ever draw a line from certain content strategies you did to this became a lead, which became a project? Oh, absolutely. Um, so on our website, we have an RFQ form. Um, you know, where, where customers can submit RFQs straight through the website. Email comes straight to me and my estimator automatically. Um, and I am constantly seeing, we have a line item in there. How'd you hear about us? How'd you find us, right? Okay. They're always saying website, blog topic, Google search. Um, and and it's we, we're getting a lot of organic traffic by having content out there, right? Um, and the, the way if people don't know, the way Google works is it, it scours the website and it looks for content. It looks for new content. It looks for original content. Uh, it looks for depth of content. So the more of that you have on your website, the higher you rank on searches, right? right? So, um, and, and we, you know, we know that and we, we target certain words in our blog topics, right? If we're, if we're, if we want people to find us when they're searching aerospace machine shop Colorado or aerospace machine shop Denver or any anything like that, 
we're going to be the number one non-sponsored search because we have done research to figure out what those key terms are. And if you go to our blogs and read our blogs, you will see those keywords multiple times throughout the blogs. You know, talk about titanium machining, Uh, reach out to our Denver-based aerospace machine shop about titanium machining. And we'll say that multiple times. And now when someone types in aerospace machine shop, focus on machining is right there at the top. Uh, you know, number one, two, or three uh, popping up in that search in that Google search result, right. uh, and we track those keywords. We track our Google rankings, um, so we know where we stand at all times on 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 all of our keywords that we've identified. Now, Justin, you're um, you know you you uh, just let's just say in in read don't read into this negatively. I think it's a positive thing, but you're younger than many of the owners that I've dealt with, right? So maybe somebody listening to this would say gee, that's all well and good because you're like, you know, you probably grew up in the internet age and you're all that search term stuff. But like, that seems like a lot of work to do that and to write that. And so, so what, what were, if I was an owner looking to grow my business, what word of advice would you give me if I gave you that response that like, well, that's for your, you know, that's just too much. Well, I, you know, I, I, I understand that completely. And, 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 the my response would be is to either hire someone to do it or partner with a firm that can help you do it because it's it's too much to do for an owner right like i i don't do all of those things myself um i have a marketing firm that i've hired um and and we we pay monthly fees to them it's very reasonable on on the large scale of things much cheaper than you can hire someone to do it um and we have regular meetings we meet once a month um, and then, and then twice a year, we have a longer term strategy meeting and, uh, that longer term strategy meeting, we talk about the long-term topics that we're going to chat about in our monthly meetings. And then our monthly meetings, they just ask me questions, right? They just probe me. If we're talking about titanium, they will hit me with, tell me what titanium is. What it's about? Why do you, why are you good at machining it? What do you do? all these things and they record it. It's about 45 minutes long. And then they take that meeting uh, that we had and they generate the blog content. Right. They send me the blog. I go through, I read it, I review it. I make edits if need be. And then they handle all the posting on the website. They handle the social media posts that drive traffic to that. So that's what I would say is, is don't try to do it yourself because it is a lot. Um, and there's a lot of technical aspects to it. Right. I mean, people have marketing degrees for a reason, right? They're very good at, at these things. Right. So, so don't try to do it. Um, if you have a young person in the shop, maybe they can help you get started, right? Or think about hiring somebody to do this for you if you're a larger shop. If you're not, many firms out there will help, help achieve this. Um, I will caveat it. If you are looking for a marketing firm and you're in manufacturing, you need to go with somebody that understands manufacturing sure. because there is a language in manufacturing. And if they don't understand it, your message is not going to come across well. Right. And you're going to spend a whole lot of time educating. Uh, I agree. I mean, the basic difference is I I tell people like there are firms that are really good at B2C. Uh So if you're selling sneakers or flowers, they're fantastic. But also you're telling them you're going to talk about plating titanium and stuff. They're not going to know what the heck you're talking about. Absolutely. So somebody with B2B industrial background, if you're in an industrial category, Yes. Uh, is going to help just so they, they say, okay, that's, this is like that. Got it. And then he can move on and you'll move yep. much more quickly. Yep. But I don't want to lose what the, to me, the headline on that is 
based on what you told me, 45 minute interview once a month and about maybe 15 minutes to edit the post and they take care of that. So can, to anybody listening, can you spare an hour a month to start growing your business? It seems like a no brainer in the scheme of things. Yeah. And and like I said, the cost, the, the cost, is is very menial for what what product we're getting sure. right uh i want to say it's it's in a couple thousand dollar two thousand three thousand dollar a right. month you know 24 36 thousand dollars a year you can't hire anybody you cannot hire anybody I, I will with, tell you that with the skills necessary yeah. i mean when you especially if you're talking about burden w2 costs y- yes. you're not you just can't Correct. find that person so Correct. And these are firms that just do this thing. So they're really good at it, right? So just like you're really good at what you do. So Justin, we could keep going. This is exciting stuff. So first of all, congratulations on really doing a lot of right things right. It's it's commendable. That's one reason I was just very excited to have you again as a guest on our show. So to somebody listening uh, that wants to know more about you and your business, or maybe make contact with you, maybe maybe it's a potential client, uh, where should they go? I would, I would send them straight to the website, uh, www.focusedonmachining.com. That's where all of our content is, all about who we are. It has links to our social media, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, things like that. So the, the website is the home base for all the information for our company. And for those listening, it's on, it's on the show notes for this show. So you can find it focusedonmachining.com. Justin Quinn, once more, thank you for being on Business Growth on Purpose. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.